Okay, we will join in just a minute. We will begin in just a moment. Good evening. Thank you all so much for joining us for the next program in our Parenting in a Pandemic series. My name is Yechiel Bressler, and I am Assistant Director of School Programming and a Clinician at Madrigos Midwest, and I will be moderating the panel tonight. While all of our previous presentations have been fantastic, tonight's topic may just be the most real practical, and essential topic as it pertains to helping our children, not only in a pandemic, but in general in our day and age. It often feels that we can't keep up with the newest technology in the lives of our children, which also creates a challenging hierarchy in our ability to productively communicate with them and be someone that they can look to for advice in this area. After all, we are so outdated. This challenge is magnified at times like we have been living through with minimal ability to wander outside of our immediate surroundings and the constant rush which is added in our lives at this, moment, at this time. Tonight, we have gathered for you, the attendees, a talented and informed panel to offer you education, insight, and tips into what our kids are dealing with and what steps we can take to assist them. Without taking too much time from these panelists, allow me to briefly introduce them all, and we will then jump right in. Being that the format tonight is entirely question and answer, feel free to use the question and answer function on the bottom of your screen to submit questions as we go, and you do have the option to do so anonymously. And at that point, we will do our best to try to incorporate them into our discussion. And now for the introduction of our panelists, our two tech experts are Rabbi Ephraim Goldman and Rabbi Menachem Wiederman. Rabbi Goldman is the Director of Community Education for TAG Chicago and Project Focus. He is also a mashkiach and student advisor at the Fast Minishiva High School. Rabbi Menachem Wiederman is the coordinator of the TAG Passaic Clifton office and a well-known mechanic in the Passaic Clifton community. As the TAG coordinator, Rabbi Wiederman focuses on educating and guiding people on ways to leverage technology safely, as well as filtering devices customized to people's unique needs and requirements. Our master mechanic, in addition to the other two panelists this evening, is Rabbi Aaron Liebtag, who has been the rabbi at Congregation KJBS in Chicago for the past 11 years, and is also a middle school teacher and advisor at Hillel Torah North Suburban Day School. We are so grateful to each of you for giving us the opportunity to learn and for joining us to discuss such an essential topic. I'd like to begin by offering an opportunity for each one of you as the panelists to briefly share a number, to, to briefly share an opening remark. We'll start with Rabbi Wiederman. Hi, welcome everybody. 
thank you so much for having me all the way from the east and uh thank you for a giving me an extra hour over here it's now 9 30 by me in new jersey so i have an extra hour to finish up my movie i appreciate that um i wanted just to let everybody that to very it's very special and important and it means a lot that you all came and took your time out from this challenging times to come over and to to come over all the way to your computer and to listen in on this it means that you value it and it's something that we really need to work on together and i'm quite confident that after tonight We'll definitely come out with something uh, with something practical and to walk away from. Thank you very much, Rabbi Wiederman. We will uh, begin unless any of the pan other panelists want to jump in. We will begin uh, jump right into the to the questions. The first question: My kids have social media. I'm roughly familiar with Facebook and Twitter, even Instagram a bit but not much more than that. What am I missing? And are any of these scary risks real? We'll begin with Rabbi Goldman. Thank you, Rabbi Bressler. And uh, also thank you so much to, uh, to yourself and to Madragos in general for putting this panel together and for all the amazing work they do uh, for all the children and for all the families in Chicago, such a crucial resource that we have here. And we are very lucky to have all you guys. So in terms of this question of are the risks real? So yes and no. Uh, we could compare it almost to driving a car. Are the risks of driving a car real? Yes, they're very real. So what we do is we learn how to drive safely. And hopefully as long as we are learning how to drive safely, then we mitigate all of those risks. So without going into the specifics of what exactly the risks are, because we could talk about that for a uh, very long time, I just wanted to spend just a couple of minutes talking about some of the protective factors, some of the things that we should be doing to make sure that we, as well as our children, are protected from these risks. Um, so first of all, very interesting to note that there's actually a law in America that no child under the age of 13 is allowed to have their own social media account. The law is called CAPA. It's the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. And it states that no child under 13 is allowed to have a social media account on their own. Of course, there's no way to verify a child's age. So any child can go online, they can say however old they want to be, and all of a sudden, magically, they're that age. It's the easiest fake ID available. So children can get on online, but the idea that we see that even from a law point of view, that children under the age of 13, there are risks involved in being online. In Europe, I believe the age is actually 16. So under 16, you are not allowed to have your own social media account. So it just shows that these risks are, in a sense, very real. Um, the risks are cyberbullying, cyberstalking, the challenges to mental health and mental well-being. So yes, they are very real, but if a person is smart and they protect themselves, then they mitigate, they, they mitigate these, uh, these risks. So let's talk about some of the ways that we can protect ourselves. So first of all, as a rule that we've taught our children for generations and generations, don't talk to strangers. It's a very simple rule. If we don't know who the people are, then we shouldn't talk to them. It doesn't matter how much they pretend that they know us. They could be, you know, Ruvain from right down the block and they even dominate our shul. So we know them and we could be friends with them. If we don't know them and we don't talk to them in person, then we shouldn't be friends with them online without knowing who they are specifically and without knowing that we talk to this person also in person. So then we should not accept any friend requests or share any personal information with anyone online. Another thing to keep in mind, 
that our children should never, never think, never be convinced that anything they're posting online will stay private and then will be automatically be deleted. Any personal information, any pictures that they're sending will be saved and can be shared. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with Snapchat, which we'll uh, come back to various points of the night, so one of the key features of Snapchat is that when you do post something, either it gets deleted right when the other person sees it, or it gets deleted after 24 hours. And supposedly it's impossible to take a screenshot and to save that picture. So there are many ways uh, very easily to get around that. So a person should never be convinced that their pictures are not being saved. The general rule is never post a picture that you wouldn't be, that you wouldn't be comfortable showing to your mother or to your Rebbe. If you wouldn't be comfortable showing this picture to your mother or Rebbe, don't post the picture, not worth it. Um, Another thing that uh, actually very interesting to, to note some of the statistics that the whole concept of cyber stalking is not only a problem with kids. Some of the studies that I saw actually show that 68% of all cyber stalking cases take place with the victims are between the ages of 18 and 40. Only 2% of the cases are for children under the age of 18. So when we talk about cyber stalking, it's not just our kids we have to worry about. It's really uh, ourselves in general just to keep in mind these things. And one more point to notice that something I saw actually just yesterday and looking through some sources, it's a new term, it's called sharenting. So if anyone uh, is uh, inadvertently involved in this concept called sharenting, it means when a parent shares a picture of their child. And very often we want to do that. We want the whole world to see what our children are up to. And we put hashtags on it. Hashtag child model. Hashtag cutest kid in the world. But the problem is when we do something like that, so we are drawing a lot of unwanted attention to our children, so we have to be very careful. We have to make sure our privacy settings are set so that only our friends can see those pictures and uh, maybe just show off a little bit more subtly. That way we're not drawing that much attention to how cute our children are. Thank you very much. Excellent. Uh, Rabbi Leitek, if there's anything yeah, you'd like to add. Thank you. And thank you. I don't want to take too much time. I want to thank, obviously, Madrigos. I don't know how I earned the term master mechanic. That's not deserving. But I just want to add one thing to Rabbi Goldman's point. Rabbi Goldman mentioned a number of, uh, of technical, you know, about what to post and how to post. There's also an important mental health component to, to all of social media. Um, and I, I teach um, in middle school, I teach seventh and eighth graders, and I have wonderful uh, you know, relationships with my students post high school, post high school. And I actually sat and talked over to the phone uh, over the last week. And just to share, there, one of the things that parents should be aware of is that there, this, the mental health sometimes in social media, we might not realize. We're worried about sort of the pictures that they're posting, but when they see a picture posted of a friend on a great vacation, and they're not on that vacation. Or a friend with a group of friends at the beach. Hey, why wasn't I invited to the beach? Why didn't I get that text asking me to come? And all of a sudden, even though they're, they might be following all the rules that were put in place and all the filters and everything doing the right thing, there still is a, a, a mental health component. Now there's also a positive side as some of my, my former students shared. They feel connected. They can connect with students across the world. Friends from camp, friends from yeshiva, friends from seminary. They can do campaigns and all these different things that they were never able to do before in. But parents should be aware that if their, their child looks down, it might not just be what's happening in their social circle. Their, their, their social circle has been expanded a thousand times fold. And every picture they look at and every, every post could, could really weigh on them. And that's just an important piece to remember as we weigh social media 
and its benefits and its, uh, you know, and its disadvantages. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. Um, we, we will move on to question two, and I'm going to incorporate also a question that just came in along with it. Um, what are some practical steps I can take to monitor my kids' social media, including all the things we've spoken about, adding in YouTube as well, um, and doing that while balancing being able to trust them and not being a helicopter parent, but also being very well aware and on top of that which they are accessing. Begin with uh, Rabbi Wiederman. Um, okay, so there are a few different steps that I want to that I want to discuss. Um, first of all, us as and I'll be talking about this very often throughout the night. Um, as parents, we have to get familiar with what's out there. That's very important. Many times there are people that will come over to me and tell my parents, tell me, you know, I'm already 40, 50 years old. I don't know how to turn on a computer. I don't know how these things work. That's not an excuse. If you're going to have your kids on there, make sure you know and make sure you educate yourself. That's very, very important to know yourself what, what's going to be. Of course, the kids will always be ahead of us. They'll be ahead of me at TAG. They'll be ahead of, you know, ahead of Rebecca Goldman. That's for sure. But we know that. The kids will definitely be ahead of you, but you have to know at least educate yourself for what's going on out there what are they on first of all what can help you with that some practical things is there's two excellent websites out there one is smartsocial.com so that's smartsocial.com the other one is commonsensemedia.org those are two excellent websites they're non from non-jewish sources and they're excellent websites in terms of what apps are good, what they, what they have on it. You have no idea. They, people ask me, what can my child do on this app? Those are excellent. You know, obviously beware that their values are not Jewish values and our values are different. Of course, you have to make your own call after reading that, but it's an excellent tip to help you out with that. In terms of monitoring, um, first of all, some people suggest you as a parent can get on there as well. You can create an Instagram account and you can create your own account and, and, and see what your child is, you know, see what your child is doing going through that account. You can monitor that way. You can also monitor with software such as Custodio and different softwares that are out there. Out there, You can go to TAG and they'll help you with that. You can monitor and they, they send you reports and you can monitor that way. I want to talk a little bit later though about monitoring in terms of trust um, between the parent and the child. That's obviously very important. Anytime you're not sure, you can always Google the app name and danger. So let's say you're not sure about an app called, I don't know, TikTok. So you'll write TikTok danger, you'll just Google that and you will come up with all, with all, the, with all the dangers that there are. Um, it's, very, it's very important and to know that really to, to, like I say, to speak to your children about what, to, to get the relationship and build a relationship with your children. Meaning if, if, if you need to somehow build a trust and every parent and every child is different and every relationship between the parent and the child is different, but it's very important to build a trust between the parent and the child to whatever way you can to get their buy-in. That's going to be, I wanna, again, I want to talk about that a little bit later, but that's going to be one of the most important things. And just to address the question that came in, how to protect our teen children from YouTube, which has so much content that is so impressionable on them. It's very, very true. People think that, that that's, a, that's an excellent question because people think YouTube is just movies, but... The truth, is, the truth is that YouTube is essentially a pornographic website because there are some extremely inappropriate things on YouTube and there are a few clicks away. There are, there are some filters that do protect that. So if somebody is asking how to protect YouTube, there are filters that only will show certain videos in YouTube. 
in YouTube. And of course, you don't want to be a helicopter parent, but that's again going to be, I, th I think we'll discuss a little bit later, that's going to be going to be the, the, the relationship and the, and the, between the parent and the child, what is going to be discussed in between, the, between the two of them. Amazing, thank you. Any other panelists like to add anything on that? I think that, that was phenomenal. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to hear what Peter was going to say later about trust, and it's a, it's a major, major uh, point in terms of building that trust. Um, just one, one additional thought, just I can't really add much more, uh, to YouTube is that, uh, you know, sometimes we do think YouTube is innocent. Um, but just if, you know, if, as a parent understands how it works, even if a child is searching, first of all, they type something wrong, or they search for basketball highlights, that could lead three clicks away to something that's inappropriate. So whether that means with those restrictions, but leaving those computers in the in a common room or things, you know, if if you're not completely restricting it, then sort of the trust plus certain other filters and restrictions should be placed and honest conversations with them about about these dangers and about what's out there. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Excellent. Thank you. Um, moving on to the, to the next question, we want to hear amazing things already so we want to hear what you have about all these amazing these questions so that the next question is my son or daughter loves gaming but tells me that he only plays sports games and fortnite those are safe right we'll start with uh rabbi wiederman okay great question um so the issues with gaming i would say are twofold Number one is the addictive nature of them, and people are getting paid. Be re just realize that people are getting paid literally millions of dollars to make them as addictive as possible because the more the kids are on, the more money they make. So the addictive nature is also twofold. Just being addicted is who knows what they can what they can get onto, and it's also literally addicted to screen time. Studies show that in terms of the screen time of their brain development, having too much screen time isn't good, and they're going to want more. Also, the other issue is predators. Nowadays, it is a much different gaming experience than it was 10, 15 years ago. It's all about the social piece. So they're gaming, they're gaming between their friends and they're gaming between people they know and they're gaming between people they don't know. They can also, people they don't know can send messages. These predators are experienced. They, they do this, unfortunately, for a living and they, and they know exactly what they're doing. I will tell you a story that I personally heard two weeks ago um, in in, the, in this side of the in this side of the country, on the east coast, um, there was a child. There was a there was a teenager about about 18 years old that got involved with with, with certain things, and he was posting pictures, uh, you know, pretty explicit pictures of him and him and somebody else, and they were passing the pictures back and forth. Again, very not again, but that's very normal of teenagers um, these days. They're they're curious. They will do that. After a little bit, the the he found out that the other person was not really who they said they were, and they threatened then to post these pictures all over the web unless they gave him a certain amount of money. This, this is very, very real. We had lawyers involved. It's a very real situation. It, it, it happened, and the kid is obviously really, really nervous about how this will affect his life forever in terms of a shidduch and etc. I don't need to explain that to you. Um, and you, you know, you have no idea who you're corresponding with. Even if you think you do, you really don't know. The predators really know what they're doing. The other issue I want to talk about in, is the difference between boys and girls. The, the, the difference between boys and girls is, is a big difference because people think that there's a big issue with boys, inappropriate things. I would actually 
tend to dis. I would, I would actually disagree, and I would say the issue with girls is, is is in a way worse because the issue with with kind of compare it why the addiction. Let's just say some people you you may think that. A gambling addiction is, is in a way worse than a sex addiction because when you're dealing with a sex addiction, it's something that's clear, that's wrong, and people feel badly about it. They want to get off it. Gambling doesn't seem wrong. It doesn't seem like there's anything wrong with it. Um, similarly, over here, boys, their issue may be a certain inappropriate issue, adult content. However, girls have the need to socialize, a much bigger need than, than, than girls, than, than boys do. And therefore, they don't seem like doing anything wrong by socializing. And in essence, if it's, if it's in a safe way, they're really not. But therefore, that can lead slowly, slowly to things which are really, really worse, where we know, just Google it again, there are stories where they begin with socializing, and the person ends up meeting them, God forbid, and, and terrible things happen. So just realize that there are, the things that are seemingly better or, or more safe for girls, because of that, people don't realize that they're really in, sometimes in a, in a worse off situation. If I, if I could just add, and I, I agree with everything, and I'm going to add one more point to strengthen Rabbi Wiederman. Many parents will say, and especially the last few months, gaming is a social activity for my child. It's social interaction. They game with their friends. They all get on the Xbox. They game together. They, 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 and especially the last few months in quarantine, this was the only way they really interacted with each other. Um, and the answer to that is it, it is for, for, for a number of kids. In a very healthy way, it, it is a social interaction. I, I had a student a number of years ago who maybe within the, so to speak, quote unquote, normal, although both my in-laws who are mental health professionals don't like when I use the word normal, but the normal setting had difficulties in social interaction, but in the world of gaming with his friends, he was a different person. So the answer to that is we have to be, to, to Rabbi Wiederman's point, if, if parents feel that this is a, a, a healthy outlet whether it's a, a, a just as an outlet or social interaction, then we have to be careful with in a, in a safe place. There are ways to monitor, there are ways to get it safe. And, and because if we think that it's valuable, the more so we have to make sure that it's done in the, in the healthiest and most positive way possible. I, I appreciate that last point very much. I actually just added to my notes. I don't think I have to ask it anymore, but I was going to ask, you know, okay, now like, I'm frightened. Maybe I should just get rid of it all. But I think uh, I think that's an important point to recognize that there are we we are agreeing or we are saying that there are certainly positives, but it's a matter of being aware and educated about what's out there, about the risks, and uh, taking the appropriate precautions. And also, it reminded me. I, I think I mentioned on the meeting when we beforehand when we spoke when I was a kid, uh, when I was in in high school, I was into into video games myself, and that was right. Uh, the, the, the big thing was that was when Xbox Live was coming out. And, uh, and Xbox Live, it was like the cool kid in my class had Xbox Live, you were able to chat. And now that's the standard. So it's just so, uh, such an important, important point to be aware of. Next you're, still cool, you're still a cool kid in the class, though. Don't worry. <laughs> I wasn't the cool kid. I, I, I was at my friend's house who was the cool kid who had Xbox Live. <laughs> to, to your point, Yechiel, um, I, I, do, I do want to mention there are two, you mentioned, you know, let's just get rid of it all, and there are two extremes out there. There's both extremes. There are, there are sects where they'll give their children absolutely nothing, and their shelter, uh, and, and their shelter, and they'll have nothing, and there are, there are the other extreme out there where they'll, where they'll give their child everything and completely not moderate. And it's important to realize, I think most of us, or if not all of us, on this, on this webinar are, are in the middle. We, we realize that there's something, and, and I personally think there's a lot of value to that, because there will be, they will 
will be growing up and going out there and we'll be using technology where in 2020 it's a fact you know and that's and that's fine because there are a lot of wonderful things wonderful things out there and it's important to realize that we are in the middle and we want to make sure that we want to guide them to to a safe way because either extreme is not is is is, is not healthy for obvious reasons excellent point excellent point thank you um the next question is is we'll begin with with Rabbi goldman and then everyone can uh can jump in as well. I hear all this talk about TikTok. It was alluded to earlier. I've even seen some really clever and entertaining videos. My friends tell me that they've heard that it's not so great, but they can't really give me much more detail. Can you speak about that a little bit? Yes, definitely can. So TikTok actually has a very interesting history. Uh, so TikTok originated as what's called Musical.ly. And I remember having conversations with some of the high school boys and asking them when Musical.ly first started and questions were coming to me about this new social media app called Musical.ly. Is it dangerous, safe, healthy? What's the whole story? I remember asking some of the high school boys and the response was, oh, no way, no high school boy, any cool guy wouldn't go near that stuff. That's for like eighth grade girls. No one, Musical.ly is not, not so real. Fast forward only a couple of years down the line and now all of a sudden TikTok is one of the most popular social media platforms out there. Um, now every single high school boy is on it, and if you're not on it, then you're not cool, and you see how quickly the story, the story changes. So just to give a summary of what it is, so basically it's social media where the focus is, is you want to put together a 15 second or minute long video that you post, and that video could be of anything. It could be of you sitting there doing homework, singing a song. Very often, if not uh, major most majority of the time, the videos are of people dancing and singing songs. So without using our imagination too much, uh, we can imagine what, uh, what, what people would want to post with those types of videos. And it does become very, very inappropriate and we can, uh, we can leave it at that. So TikTok, where it started off as just being a fun thing for, let's say, uh, children to be involved in, to share some videos, singing songs, it's developed into this worldwide phenomenon where everyone posts videos about everything under the sun. And yes, some of them are very innocent. Some of them are just very funny, uh, entertaining types of videos. But you are literally, not even with YouTube, maybe it's three clicks away. But with TikTok, you are literally one click away from any type of video that, that you want. Um, unfortunately, people in the world are, are begging for attention and they will do anything they possibly can to gain more and more attention. Someone told me today, I'm not sure uh, what the exact statistic where it comes from, but he said that TikTok has approximately a billion visits a day. Um, so again, I'm not sure exactly where he got that statistic from, but a billion people going to one social media site, so that's, that's a lot of people. Halavai, one day Madrigos can have a billion people coming to their programs. Um, but uh, so TikTok is there, it's very popular. Um, and the answer is yes, there is very, very inappropriate stuff going on on TikTok. Great, thank you. Everyone, if I can just add, um, thank you so much, that was great. Legally, they can keep your pictures for 48 hours. And they tell you that in the beginning of terms and conditions, the fine print, and if they want, they can do it even more. This applies also to private messages as well, they can keep those. They own your pictures as opposed to Snapchat and Instagram where that is not the case. And once again, like we said before, if you're not sure what it is, it shouldn't be on your child's phone. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be there. I'm saying it shouldn't be there if you're not sure what it is. Google it. They were fined $5.7 million for selling data to predators. You can see it on the Washington Post, and they actually paid it. 
That tells us a lot as a parent. They paid $5.7 million for selling data to predators. So once again, Google it. So you, see, you can see right there how dangerous. And if you look at the, look at the websites we mentioned before, they'll give you the information. And the, the websites, they have levels of the ones I mentioned before, commonsensemedia.org and smartsocial.com. They have levels of kind of green, you know, green light, yellow and red, or thumbs up in the middle and thumbs down. What's good? And the, you know, you'll definitely see things over there. Amazing, thank you. Um, we, I just want to remind the attendees of the question and answer feature on the bottom. I see there are some hands raised. I won't be able to address them in that set in that way, but if you have a question, feel free to type it in the bottom and uh, submit it that way. Uh, additionally, we will be happy to provide any sources. And everybody, Wiederman already mentioned a couple of websites. If you didn't catch them, then uh, we, will, we will try to put together some sort, of, some sort of sheet or something to make available through Madrigos afterwards. Feel free to follow up about that as well. Um, Moving right along, once I properly filter a phone and a computer, at that point, can I assume that all is safe? Um, excellent question. I, I, I think that I might know where that question came from. It's probably because I asked to put it in, and I'll tell you why. It's because of the following story. Um, and here it goes. Somebody came to me last week and, tell me, and told me that they they had a, filter, a, a flip phone, and they, they filtered it. They actually put it to our office, and it is a, a flip phone. You know, it's, even if somebody wants to get on the internet on there, I think it's, it's, it's pretty pathetic. But there, are, there, there is cable to get to the – it does have the internet capability. There's Wi-Fi, so we completely erased the – with a program, we completely erased the, the internet. And what, the story goes that the mother – her phone was dead. She borrowed her, her son's phone. She happened to be flipping through the dialed calls. This son is in high school. I don't know which grade. He's in high school. He's an excellent, excellent boy. He had no issues, nothing wrong with it. Apparently, he did was dialing 1-800 numbers to, to different kinds of pornographic um, places that we, that, we, that we can imagine. He dialed it in three weeks 143 times. They're each about under 60 seconds. Um, and she came to me, the basic idea was she came to me was I, I thought that I filtered everything. I thought I got rid of everything. I had no idea. So it was just an example of even though, even though we know that, you know, it's a great idea to filter, it's never foolproof and we don't know what's going on. So what does that mean? We give up hope, we throw in the towel, of course not. Um, you know, obviously it's not a babysitter. You got to be careful in terms of having, even if with a filter in closed rooms, Things that are mobile, things that move around under the pillow, under the you know where 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 are they going to go? They're going to bring them in the bathroom. Be careful, and know that filters are not foolproof. The biggest thing is again to educate. I'm going to write to talk about them in just a, in just a couple of, in just a couple of questions, but absolutely not. Un unfortunately, filters are not foolproof. Um, there are places that can help you, like Tag. Other places that can help you in terms of which filters are better than others. A lot of them are pretty close. But unfortunately, filters are not, not foolproof, and therefore that, that open discussion it needs to be. The follow-up to that story is actually really special and, 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 and one worth mentioning, is that the, the mother was advised to have a, confront the boy and have an open conversation and basically tell the boy, you're 98.6, you're 100% 98 normal. And don't worry about it, and they understand you. And because the mother had so much compassion and, and, and really opened up the conversation, gave so much trust to the boy, you know, now the boy, you know, thank God he's really 
and uh, there, there really is, is it, it had, a, it had a great, a great turnaround. And, and the boy is, he's like, okay, you know, maybe you can help me out. You know, what, what can we do to help me? What can we do to watch? Can you watch my phone, etc.? And there was that buy-in. That's the most important thing in this entire picture is the buy-in from the child. Amazing, amazing story. Any other panelists would like to add, jump in? Yeah. I can just add also. Um, so uh, we have to understand when we, deal, when we are dealing with teenagers, they are brilliant and exceptionally creative when they want to be. And when it comes to technology, they have all the want in the world. So there's no filter that is, is foolproof. We can never assume that we're automatically 100% safe. I had it my own phone actually, that uh, I was trying to show off to some of the boys, some of the high school boys, oh, see, I'm, I'm Mr. Tech. Of course, my phone is totally locked down. And they're like, no, Rabbi, we, we can take care of that, no problem. Like, no, trust me, I fully locked it down. There's no way. I gave them my phone. It took the kid about 27 seconds. That's all it took him. So he showed me the loophole, how he got through it. Uh, and he didn't even have to try. And it was that easy. It was that easy. So we have to understand with these kids, it really is a matter of uh, they are brilliant. Um, and just to piggyback a little bit from what uh, Rabbi Wiedemann was talking about, this is something, it's a theme that's going to continue throughout this entire conversation, is that one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, is to have an open and positive relationship with our children. Because we could almost say without being pessimistic, without being pessimistic or without thinking the worst of our children, but just being a realist, our children are going to fall. That's what happens. No one is ever perfect. There's always going to be some type of situation that comes up, whether it's the maybe purpose because the temptation gets too big. But if they know they can trust us, if they know they can come to us without feeling judged, without feeling like they're going to automatically get in trouble and be yelled at and, and be punished and put in their room for, for months on end, so then when that mistake inevitably happens, they'll come to us. They'll say, Mommy, Daddy, I, I made a mistake. Something happened. Can we talk about it? I, I accidentally signed up for social media. I was on there for a week. I realized that I shouldn't be. Uh, can we talk about it? But if they think that we're just going to judge them and punish them, then they're going to continue to hide it away from us. So the more we can encourage them to have an open relationship with us and to talk to us, and we can create that warm environment, then the more that inevitably when they make those mistakes, we'll be there to help them. Which if I can add, somebody, somebody is asking, based on the previous story in the Q&A, what should a parent's approach be after they find a child doing the wrong thing is really what Rabbi Goldman is saying. Once you have that open communication, you can sit and you can talk to them. It actually happened um, in my house recently when with, with all the computer usage of school. Uh, so my, one of my children was on one of the, one of the, using the computer for something and he, I saw him Google something else. And then I had a, and I had an open conversation. We, we, we had it clear that you know they can only stay on that and they can't go to another window. And he did as a normal child would, went to another window. Thankfully, he's normal. So first I thanked Hashem that my child is normal. And then I had an open conversation and I said, right, do you see that there's a pull? And I kind of like, I, I validated them. And I said, do you see there's a pull? Do you feel like you feel like you needed to do that? You, you really wanted it, you enjoyed it? And they really did. I'm like, I know exactly what you mean. It's true, it pulls you, right? And then they said, right, it's, and, and there is the danger. And that the most important thing is being on the same page and having them be able to trust you and to come to you and to really understand them, to validate them. And then you can discuss a plan with them, plan what, plan on, on what to do. You know, somebody just called us last night and said, what, what can I do? My child is, is, is always on it. What should I do? There is no quick fix and there's no pill. And there's no answer to that. It really depends on the relationship. And, it, and 
the best thing, the, the best thing is to have the child's involvement and the buy-in. Okay, I see that you want to. I see that you want to use your computer. I see you want to go on this all the time. Let's make up a plan. How? Let's make. What do you think is fair? Thirty minutes, thirty-five minutes, whatever you think. And once you have this buy-in, that's. In terms of after doing the wrong thing, it's really, you know, in that story I did suggest speak another. The other question above was at what point does a therapist need to get involved? Somebody else asked that. I did suggest. Not necessarily going with that boy. I'm talking about the boy who was calling the one hundred numbers to a therapist. I suggested calling a therapist and asking a therapist because we also have to know my limits. I'm not a therapist, and I have to know where where our limits are. But calling a therapist and asking them, telling them the story, and asking their advice. You know, should I have my kid come to you for one session or two? Maybe not. Maybe not. So sometimes you can even call a therapist. It depends on how severe it is. Discuss it with the child and try to work it and try to you know try to work it out with him. Amazing, and uh, I don't want to take time for the panelists. You guys are so good. I just I, I have to share because in preparing to moderate this, uh, I was doing my, a little bit of my own preparation. I was listening to a, a, a shear on this topic by by Remeir Torsky from, from YU, and just one thing that he, he mentioned about after one does fail in these in these areas is a is a Vartora from the Kotzker, and he's and and we know there's a famous idea Yehus Shalomidas. So without going to the halachic ramifications of that, Al Drush he says. Yeyush is shalomidas, one who is miyayish. After one falls on some level, whatever that level is, that's shalomidas. That's re that's not recognizing that we, we all fall. We have to be aware and be able to uh, to bounce back from that. I think it's an important point that, that has to be said. Um, moving right to the, to the next questions. Uh, other than what we've covered, anything else that's out there that we should be aware of? Uh, so, uh, in, in discussing a little bit before, let, I'll just add uh, two things. Uh, one is that it's not only uh, social, it's not only Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, as Robbie Wiedemann just mentioned, it's, it's 1-800 numbers. It's even things as innocent as Spotify, right? Spotify, a great music platform that has, that has hundreds of Jewish albums. But that also, you know, everything is a click away. Any kind of song, any kind of image, even on Spotify, which is a free music platform. So again, it's, it's just about knowing what, what our kids are on, setting the limits, having honest conversations with them about the pros and the cons. Um, so that's number one, just I wanted to mention from earlier. The other thing I wanted to talk about is nothing to do with social media and nothing to do with gaming. It's simply having a phone. If, if, if a child has a phone, one of the biggest issues that I see today with my students um, is the issue of group chats. And I'm sure of anybody that's worked in a school this has been something that, that you've dealt with, whether directly or indirectly. Um, and in terms of the question I asked about a therapist, a person might not need to go to a therapist or maybe to call a therapist just because they went to an appropriate site, but they might feel really down because that they've been left out. And we might not have the, the slightest clue about what's happening. There could be a group chat of people leaving just one student out or a group chat created just about another student or a group chat that kid was by accident left off. And it's very, very dangerous. And, and those things are, you know, uh, are way heavily on a child. When they walk in, and now imagine, they walk into school every day, we should. They walk into school every day, and they know that there are friends that didn't include him or her in a group chat. So that immediately doesn't just impact outside of school. Right? Maybe when we were kids, or however, however old you are on this call, when you were a kid, when something happened at school, it was over, you went home. Now it doesn't end. Nothing ends. A fight, a disagreement, it goes home, it goes through the night, you come back to school. 
and there's there's seemingly no end, and kids are feel they feel like they're drowning. They feel like they're drowning, and we have to realize that as much as we're checking social media and what they're searching, we have to realize that group chats are 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 big positive. I, I have group chats with with on a grade level. I I I. I it's not a secret. I have an Instagram account just for my students that I run specifically because they asked for a number of years ago that I'm the only one that runs it. But group chats are something that parents should be very, very much aware of and should be checking in and, and asking who's in this group chat. Is everybody included? Because the second that someone's not included, that child, him or her, that is, it's, ve it's very daunting to try to climb out of that hole and what that means. And I, I've, I've, seen, I've sent kids to therapists because of it. Um, so as much as there's positives, there's a lot of negatives and parents should be very much aware of that, of, of that, uh, you know, possibility. I really, thank you so much. By the way, I, I admire you very much for getting your own Instagram account because I feel like that's exactly what we're talking about in terms of getting on their level and, and knowing yourself, what they're involved with and educating yourself in terms of monitoring. And that's really amazing because then the kids see that, you know, you're not out to lunch and, and then just the opposite, they'll respect you in terms of what, what to say, where to go, and how to do it on their on their on their social networking. So that's that's really incredible. One 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 small addition to the group chat. Parents often ask me, "What's the big deal about WhatsApp and about, and about a group chat?" And I'm not going to tell you not to go on it because, like I believe, really is saying, it's basically impossible now. It's almost like saying, "Don't go into class." One of the issues, one of the issues of of, of the group chats is that I just wanted to realize everyone becomes equal to the person who will post the most, the kind of, let's say, called the lowest level thing on the group chat. Everyone is now equal to that level of that person. That person who's on the lowest level, whatever you want to call it, I don't mean level and, you know, but in terms whatever they're going to post, everyone now will see that, where normally they would not have seen them. They'll actually find themselves forwarding things on that normally they would never forward, just a quick forward. I would never write that to my friend regularly, but, oh, a quick forward, I'll just forward it. I, I'll, you know, I'll just forward it to, forward to him on, which I actually found myself doing a few times. I'm like, well, I would never write that to somebody, but now I'm just going to forward it quickly. Well, I would never see this, but, there, you know, this in this group chat, this person who happened to be on my block because I have a block chat or, or whatever it is, this person posted it. So now everyone is now equal to whatever will be posted. Everyone will, will see that. And that's something that, the, the danger is the obvious one of seeing it, but also the danger is that it slowly, slowly desensitizes us, which is a which is a really big thing because because it happens very, very slowly. It's something that's really hard to keep our pulse on. Amazing, amazing! Thank you so much. Um, uh, just uh, one one quick. Uh, I'm sorry that I, I I know I'm not a panelist. I don't want to overstep my bounds, but I just also just heard a study from Dr. Pelkovich about that last point that Wiederman made from uh, Dr. David Pelkovich who said that, that it's not only all of these dangers that come with it, but the studies show that our levels of empathy go significantly down, you know, when doing it over, when it's over screen versus when you're talking to someone face to face. So people are willing to be so much more cruel. I thought that's also, a, a, you know, to that point. Uh, also, it's an unexpected outcome of tonight is going to be that everyone's going to go, you know, get their own Instagram accounts, but okay, <laughs> whatever works. Um, and as the, as the final point for me is, is as a Madrigos representative, I do have to make the pitch. I was going to make it at the end. I'll make it now, which is, you know, where are we going to get at the point of getting a therapist is very individualized, but uh, Madrigos is here. Uh, we are even during COVID from home doing teletherapy, uh, feel free always to, to reach out when in doubt, just ask. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely try to help work it through whenever possible. 
Um, moving to the next question. I'm sorry, now I'm that, sorry, Rabbi, but so just in terms of in terms of empathy, you just re reminded me. You know, very just realize that again, there's something that slowly we didn't realize is something that desensitizes us. Many many times, I'll be. I personally be uncomfortable saying something to something that I would want to say to somebody, so I'll text it to them. And that happens to all of us. So we would, that is a very great, wonderful tool, but it also has something with things which are obviously very, there are things that are going between teenagers that people would, they would never say in person, but they would say in a text. So someone asks, what's the danger of texting? That's basically the biggest danger of texting without us realizing. Again, it has, just like all the internet, it has great, wonderful things that are, that are that, you know, first of all, it's a great time saver. And I'll say things that are uncomfortable that I really want to get, get across the other person. But very often there will be texts that will a person would be very uncomfortable seeing between either whether it's the opposite sex or 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 anybody and it will go over in a text message and it can create obviously things which are we don't want crucial point crucial point and uh you know i we have about 10 minutes left so i do want to get to the last couple of questions uh, now that i understand some more of the risk of risks risks of what's out there what can i do as a parent to keep my child safe or is it simply the luck of the draw? Sorry, Arthur by Goldman. So it's, a, it's an excellent question. And uh, I don't know if there's a specific, you know, guaranteed answer to this one. Um, but to a certain extent, uh, almost, almost it is. I mean, I've seen some, some excellent, uh, excellent young kids, teenagers, who have made that one little mistake and that led to something else, something else, and it snowballed into something much worse. Uh, I've seen some kids who were struggling tremendously in life. But then all of a sudden, when it came to their social media use or their gaming or other things going on with them, maybe bullying online, and they stepped back and they showed tremendous strength. You know, so a lot of it is, um, is, is, is what goes on with teenagers. It's a, it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride. There's a lot of ups and downs. But from, uh, from our perspective, from parents, so it's, even though this is a very new challenge that's come up over the last, whatever it is, 15, 20 years, um, but the uh, basic parenting strategy is the same as has been for the last several thousand years which is we have to role model proper behavior. We can only expect our children to be as good as we are, and we can only expect them to, to do the things that, that we ourselves do. If we are role modeling proper behavior, and like we said before, we are also building that warm and nurturing relationship, then we dive into our Kaddish Baruch Hu and we hope for the best. Um, but yes, to a certain extent, there's only so much we could do, especially when it comes to this area of technology, because it's so easily accessible and the draw is so real and it's so enticing. So there is really so much we could do, but really for us to see what we can do is to make sure that we're asking ourselves, are we setting the, uh, the right example for our children? Are we showing the proper guidelines? Are we showing the proper restraint? Are we ourselves, do we have filters on all of our devices? How can I expect my child to have a filter when I myself don't have a filter? So all of these questions, we have to make sure we're setting up a proper example for our children. And if we're doing that, like we said, we ask the coach Baruch to take care of the rest for us. Thank you. Yes, um, uh, you know that's that, that's really excellent. I'm just going to reiterate that because that's such an important point. I said it when I wanted to say in the beginning, but no, nothing more to add. But it's certainly important to educate the child. You know, I, I think these days instead of having in 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 class 
Gemara, Chumash, Halacha, Math, Science. We should throw in Gemara, Chumash, Technology, Math, Science, Halacha. We should have a full, not just a speech to the kids every single month, but that's ideally, that's what it should be because we really need to educate them. And again, like Rabbi Goldman asked, we need to, we need to educate, educate our ourselves. And once you have that buy-in, then if you feel it's appropriate, if they feel it's appropriate, eventually they will feel it's appropriate because they have the buy-in, they will ask for the filter. But only then. The filter, you know, of course you can put it and you should put it before then, but I mean, once then, that will be, once they value the filter and you have that buy-in from them, as, as my Golden mentioned, it really, really starts from the top. You know, um, I, something that I was, I, I was, um, on my kids, on my kids' computer, I have them have Google Images filtered because they need it for school. They need Google Images for school, and there's a lot of images that are inappropriate, so it's Google Images that are filtered. On my personal computer, I don't need it, so I don't, I don't have Google Images. And one time they needed an image that they didn't have, and they came over to me, and I was like, okay, I just forgot about it, that I didn't have it, so I was like, let me search it. And they saw, uh, then it got blocked, and they saw that my Google Images were blocked. I think that was the biggest lesson for them that can possibly, oh, you know, if Abba's computer doesn't have it, that's the biggest, that's the biggest, um, that's the biggest lesson that they see because like, like Rabbi Goldman saying, they just want to aspire to be, the, the kids are saying, when can I get a smartphone? Like my parents have a smartphone. That's what they're saying. And in terms of a practical advice of conversation, uh, another excellent resource is guardyoureyes.org. And if you email info at guardyoureyes.org, that's info at guardyoureyes.org, they can help you with conversation tips in terms of how to discuss these things with your children. Amazing. Uh, thank you, thank you very much. Um, do have a, a, a couple, a couple more questions that we'll, we'll try to get in, and uh, just, just one or two more points also that just jump out, out at me that I think hopefully, hopefully is, is obvious for a lot of us, but uh, you know, especially during now with COVID and when everyone's at home and hope, and, and and things are are as they are, just to be aware, where are our kids? You know, if they have their phones, if they're in their room for twelve hours on Zoom school, you know. Are we, do we have some sort of connection with them, some sort of understanding of that they're not just on their computers on Zoom class for, for 12 hours in a day and we don't see them until the end of the day? It's not the same as going to school. Um, but but moving, moving straight into the next question. Um, obviously, I want to limit my child's screen time, but with everything going on, it seems impossible. Any advice on how to replace, how to add on to, uh, to the, in addition to the technology use? Well, just realize that almost nothing will beat the technology in this day. So it's really an uphill battle. So first of all, once you know that, that's definitely a big step. It's an uphill battle. Technology is so, you know, really draws them. And, but I mean, when I was thinking about, a lot of the piece that we discussed throughout, throughout the night was a social piece. So if you can create social, uh, when I'm not talking about now outside of COVID, obviously, but if you can create social interactions, like let's say we'll have a basketball game in your backyard or trampoline, obviously depending on the ages, but there is that social piece that they're desiring. Many of them are going on because of social pieces. If you can create the social um, the, um, outlets besides that, I would try to focus on that depending on the age. And in other words, the, the other obvious ones in terms of just getting healthy outlets, like seeing things in your, you know, in your backyard, in your front yard, the outdoor activities, Swimming a little swimming pool, a, a zip line, things like that. Yes, those are definitely practical and possible. Right. I think it also depends on the kind of technology we're talking about. Meaning, if, like Gary Witterman saying, the kids, they want to Zoom with each other because they haven't seen each other and they're in different classes, you know, that, that's obviously more, I guess, okay than a kid says, I just want to watch something, I want a game. 
then I think that's a point of conversation. You, you know, maybe that's a point we're talking about trust. A parent can say, listen, I know it's really hard. I know you've been home. It's raining the last five days. Okay, I'm going to give you X amount of time. Let's make a schedule together. As opposed to saying no or just do whatever you want. Use this, meaning it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity now for growth as well. Because we're in this situation, because there's so much technology, there is a lot of modeling and conversations that can happen that can be very productive for the relationship between parents and children and between positive, you know, good use of technology. Excellent. Thank you. Our final two questions. I know it's getting late, so we'll try to, to, to run through these, these two quickly, but they're too, too important to skip. Um, if after tonight, one decides that they want to go ahead and filter, while this, as we made clear, this was not, is, is not our agenda of the night. It is the purpose of uh, hopefully everyone feels educated and, and understanding more. But if one does want to go ahead and take those steps, can, can uh, one of our TAG associates please speak briefly to, you know, just some practical steps as to how to go about that? Yeah, so we are definitely available at here at TAG Chicago to help whatever technology needs the entire city has. Um, we have our, really, we have two halves to what we try to accomplish with the TAG office. So one half is the filtering. So that is by our head technician, Rabbi Josh Rubin. He takes care of all of those types of uh, issues. Any device that you have, any smartphone, any tablet, any laptop, any device, any smart device that you have, will be able to filter. Give us a call. Uh, you can check it up online, the, or you can send an email. It's help at tagchicago.org. Or you could send me an email privately. It's egoldman1217 at gmail. Hopefully, we'll send all this information out at some point through Marjegos. Um, so that is uh, one half of what we do at TAG. The other half is my role, which is just to do programs like this and educate the community. Any questions that come up, whether it's about the filtering, it's about some of the issues, it's a new app that your child wants to install on their phone. You don't know if it's a good app or not. So give me a call and most likely I won't know the answer, but I have my sources I, I can uh, check through. I have my few sources in, in Skokie Yeshiva, a couple of high school boys that uh, I use as my resource for these types of, for, for these, to find out these pieces of information and whatever questions you have. So we're more than happy to help with all of this. So please feel free to reach out to us anytime. That's what we're here for. Amazing, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for all, everything you do for the community. One final uh, question before closing remarks, and it's, it's kind of a two-part question, but very, very relevant. As the country is beginning to go back to, quote unquote, some level of normalcy, people are beginning to go back to work. So many of us have had different standards during this time period in terms of screen time and, and the like, even schools are encouraging it. So clearly what we've been using has not been the norm. Um, so how, number one is how, how do we get back to our normal policy, so to speak, what, what, we, what we're used to doing. And additionally, for those of us that are two working parents and both are going back to camp, and both, excuse, both are going back to work, and my child may not be going to camp this summer, or if they are, it's very limited. I'm nervous about leaving them the whole day alone at home, so, so, so what should I do? How can I handle such a situation? Are we going? Uh, okay, so, so first of all, for that uh, second half of the question, I, I wish you a lot of hatzlach, a lot of good luck, because um, that is a, an extremely difficult question. Um, like, like, we've been, like we've been discussing the whole night already, a lot of it just, has to, just comes down to the relationship we have with our children. Uh, we put in, the, sa we put in the, the safeguards, we put on the filters, we could put on time restrictions, 
we can role model proper behavior, we can have an open and nurturing relationship with our children. Like we've discussed, at some point, we're going to leave, they're going to be there with their devices. What are they going to do? So we hope that we put up the, the proper safeguards and set everything up, and we hope for the best. We dive into our Baruch Hu. Um, in terms of trying to get things back to normal, because yes, throughout the country, throughout the world, through this whole coronavirus situation, people have relaxed their standards uh, significantly. So how do we get back to uh, how do we get back to normal? So it's a very difficult question. It definitely is, and a lot of it depends on the age of the child we're talking about. A lot of it depends on the child themselves. For teenagers, it has to involve a little bit of a conversation, as I think Rabbi Wiedemann has been speaking about a lot. We have to get them to buy into it. We have to explain to them, and they can understand this to a certain point, that you have to understand this was an unprecedented event in world history. Things changed a little bit. Now we're going back to normal. Please, let's work together to go back to our regular standards. So we can have a little bit of a conversation with teenagers when it comes to younger children. It may just be that we have to go cold turkey and we just have to say, sorry, we, we, we can't do this anymore. Um, there are a number of guidelines, things that, again, should have been, we should have been talking about for, for years already, and hopefully we have been at least somewhat, that we sh can re, uh, reinstitute as we go back into normal. The American Academy of Pediatrics has a whole list of things that we, could, we can look up. You can just Google it, the American Academy of Pediatrics media guidelines. They have a number of very helpful uh, suggestions there. Um, just to share a couple of them. First of all, don't use technology as a reward. So we shouldn't say that, well, if you get your homework done, you'll get to go on, on your screens. If we treat it as a reward, then it adds a temptation and makes it something that they want to do even more. We can say, here's our set schedule. You have these couple of hours to do this, this 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever the case is, to go on screens. We can set up certain guidelines. They very strongly recommend setting up a family plan, having a contract. And again, even if it's something that kind of broke down over the last few months, we can reinstall it and re reinstitute it. Again, some of the just basic guidelines that hopefully we will get back to normal, not letting them use their device in, in the privacy of their own room with the door closed, not letting them use it too close to bedtime, something that's a very important issue, especially with younger children and teenagers. Their sleep is very important. We all know for ourselves how how irritable we get when we don't have enough sleep and how annoyed we get without uh, getting enough sleep. So much more so for a teenager whose body is craving that sleep, if they're using their devices until too late in the night, it can have a very serious impact on all their, on all their functioning. So these are a lot of the same guidelines that hopefully we had been using up until this point. And now that we're hopefully going to Mitzvah Hashem, be returning back to that state, again, it's, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a conversation with teenagers, maybe with children to pull back a little bit more cold turkey. But again, something that we can hopefully accomplish if we put the effort and time into it. Amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, just, just for our final remarks, Ray Wiederman, just to, to, to sum it all up, and then we'll send everyone home. <laughs> okay, just really a summary. I just want to put together what, what, what kind of review what we just said. First and foremost, let's not forget about the one above. Um, I don't know if that was stressed too much, but, you know, this is a challenging thing, and we have to definitely, you know, daven and, and ask Hashem for our help as much as we can. Let's remember that our kids are normal. You know, they, they, they will seek this stuff. Whatever is possible for them to get, they will get. Remember that as a rule. If it's possible for them to get, they will get it, but they're normal, they're healthy, and they're seek it. I've heard all too often, my kid's a good kid. 
I'm like, right, so that means that he's going to go there, but they don't realize the next part. And once you have the buy-in, then, you know, it's, you know, it's definitely a great idea to filter you. Tonight's topic is, you know, guiding our, what's the topic, Rabbi Bressler? Guiding our children. Our children through safe. Guiding our children through safe technology. So I would think that in terms of what we said, I would kind of rename it guiding ourselves through safe technology, because once you guide yourself through it, you educate yourself, you're able to educate, you educate your child. It really starts from the top, just like, you know, you put on your seatbelt, your child will put on your, your child will put on your seatbelt. And let them know that it's a little bit hard. You know, sometimes, you know, not everything in Judaism is hard. It's not, again, it's nothing to do with Judaism, but if they, if they see you, if they see on you, they realize that, oh, you know, there is some, there is some mysterious efforts, there's some things we need, we need over here. And just finally to quote a child who, he was approached and he said, why don't you just speak to your parents about it? And the child said, when they, when they, speak to, when, when they want to speak to their parents about, about putting on something, they feel ashamed to discuss it because maybe their parents are going to think they have a problem. And therefore, some are asking people, different people to sponsor their filters and, and without their parents knowing. We find that very, very often. And that's really unfortunate because the biggest thing, like we said, is, is the buy-in. So I'm just going to repeat those, the websites, because in case you need help for, for conversation tips, it's again, it's info at guardyoureyes.com. Org and also the other two websites that we saw are smartsocial.com and commonsensemedia.org are just simple educational or educational tips. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you to the panelists for, for all of your incredible time. Thank you to the attendees for joining, for all the insight which the, the panelists lended us and this topic which is literally becoming more and more relevant and important every day. And uh, I'd like to remind all of our listeners that all of our presentations can be found on our website, madrigosmidwest.org. Also like to remind you, as I mentioned, that if Madrigos can be of any help, can be of any assistance throughout this journey, uh, we are open and willing and happy to, to help as much as possible. Additionally, as Rabbi Goldman mentioned, he, uh, who we heard so much, so, so much valuable input from through TAG has uh, the resources and ability to help us personally meet with our families uh, free of charge, even incredible, incredible service to our community as a whole. And he already gave the contact information, but to, to repeat it, egoldman1217 at gmail.com. I think I said that right. Uh, or yes. by phone at 646-784-7266. Feel free to reach out to him. Um, and uh, please, if you're interested, join us next week for practical tips to managing finances during COVID-19 with Mr. Randy Cohen. Again, thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you to the panelists. Everyone have a great night. Stay well. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Have a good night.